Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Long layoff. We're back with Believe in Best Ball. This is the second episode. We hit you with the first episode last spring. We're going to be hitting you with a bunch more of great content, specifically around fantasy football and best ball. This is Believe in Best Ball episode two. I'm your host, Sam Maxwell. You can find me on Twitter at smaxwell713. And I'm joined by my co host, Michael Bruckner. You can follow him on Twitter at The Bruck Report. We are on the Believe Podcast Network. That's B L E A V. Follow the Believe Podcast Network at Believe Podcasts on Twitter. Let's welcome in Michael Bruckner, our co-host here. How did you enjoy last week's 2020 NFL Draft? Uh, you know what? Uh, there were a lot of running backs that definitely landed in some very interesting spots. I think that there definitely were some risers and there were some fallers. I think that we're going to discuss today some of our favorites, and I'm looking forward to it. And it's been a long layoff, but... Uh, we come back to you fresher and new and improved. Well said. And for those wondering what best ball is, of course, it is fantasy football, and it's the primary tool for off-season fantasy football fanatics like ourselves to quench our thirst. Fantasy football draft is generally for redraft purposes only. It's during the season. You're setting your lineup. You're making ads and drops. You're making trades. You are having to make decisions on lineups. None of those difficulties are a part of the best ball landscape. This is strictly about what's the best part of fantasy football. That is the draft. And the computer simulates the best lineup every week for you. And, of course, at the end of the season, the team with the most points will win. How did we do? Last year, Michael and I teamed up for 10 teams on FFPC.com. And that's our, one of our favorite uh, brands of best ball. Our ROI, return on investment, was over 400%, including... Uh, first place in three different leagues out of 10. So uh, we bring expertise and knowledge. We bring a lot of passion to this as well. We both are in the weeds with fantasy football. We're already 29 teams deep on the weeds. And uh, we'll, we'll talk about uh, the NFL draft, our, our favorite risers, our favorite landing spots for rookie running backs for this upcoming season. We have a long-standing tradition here, and we team up. Uh, I'm one half. Michael's the other half of Sam and Nash. If you play fantasy football, best ball specifically, on FFPC.com, you probably will recognize our name. We team up to form Sam and Nash. We're 29 drafts deep, and of course, we're going to continue all off-season long. So we described what best ball is. Where can you play it, Michael? We talked about FFPC.com. Of course, the draft app is now defunct as it was purchased and shut down by FanDuel. And, of course, there's uh, my, uh, uh, my football league, MFL 10, as well. Uh, your favorite and my favorite are both FFPC.com, correct? Correct. That is correct. Yeah, all your best ball action can pretty much be found at FFPC.com these days. And they're not a sponsor. They're just our favorite place to spend money. And then <laughs> we, we spend a lot of time on that app. We've made a lot of friends. And a lot of the community members are probably listening to this podcast right now. And uh, probably recognize they are not our sponsor just yet. Not our sponsor, but maybe one day. FFPC drafts, they start at $35, so it's a much higher level of entry than the draft app last year. We can find leagues for as low as $1. The minimum for FFPC, at least that we've been able to find, 
is 35 there's also 77 dollar leagues you can create your own league if you want a specific amount of buying entry as well now last week's nfl draft michael concluded it was a lot of fun it was digital i thought they did a great job just give me your brief thoughts about watching the nfl draft for a moment it felt like things were back to normal in life you know i really enjoyed listening to roger goodell get booed it really did bring me back uh and it did warm my soul a little bit for those few moments and i did really enjoy laughing at the packers and their stupid decisions as well all was right in the world for those few days for those couple of days i woke up with something to do it felt like life mattered again i was making mock drafts we were drafting best balls we were tracking where our favorite players landed where our highest owning players landed and we'll talk about some of those exhilarating landing spots uh in a little but as you mentioned it was it was fun to have a little bit of normalcy in our lives for a bit we found a way to boo Roger Goodell, and you mentioned it, Mike, the surprise of the 2020 NFL Draft. The Green Bay Packers trading up and selecting rookie quarterback from Utah State, Jordan Love. Now, they maintained they stuck to their board. Trading up and, and trading a fourth-round asset certainly doesn't seem like they're sticking to their board. It seems like they made a plan of attack and wanted to target Jordan Love. He probably will not play over the next couple of years, so he's not on the draft best ball landscape any further. He was previous to this. Uh, now he probably will not be, but that was a absolutely shocking turn of events. And uh, it really catapults guys like Alan Lazard, second year player from Iowa state, Devin Funches uh, to not start him, but relevancy. Jace Stunberger. Jace Sternberger is a second year tight end out of Texas A&M. He certainly uh, becomes a lot more interesting now that the Packers did not draft any weapons in last week's NFL draft. Now, you may have heard about us talk about this last year. You may have seen this if you're in draft with us now. We like targeting rookies before the draft. Why is that? Because there's now a tangible landing spot. Now we know Clyde Edwards-Hilaire goes to the Chiefs. You've seen his average draft position, or ADP, go from the 6th to 7th round all the way to the mid-second round. That is an enormous increase in value. We, of course, had about 8 shares of him going into the draft, a 25% uh, uh, target projection for him on our teams. Those things matter. Generally speaking, these rookies, when they do not have teams associated with them, are cheaper. We saw that happen with Jonathan Taylor. We saw that happen with J.K. Dobbins. We saw absolute soaring increase in stock for both Keyshawn Vaughn and Cam Akers. These things happen time and time and time again. Yes, certain rookies will lose value. Most of these rookies will gain value, which is why it's important to have certain shares of them in your portfolio before the draft, before other players will realize the same things that we did a couple weeks ago. So that's our strategy. We love drafting rookies, but what we're going to talk about today, of course, is the landing spots for six of those rookie running backs. We'll be back in episode three. We'll talk about rookie receivers, probably rookie quarterbacks as well. Today is specifically about landing spots that we like for rookie running backs. You have to start, Michael, with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire out of LSU. He goes with the final pick in the first round to the Kansas City Chiefs, the morning of the first round, general manager Brent Veach, head coach Andy Reid, had a phone call with quarterback Patrick Mahomes. They asked him who he preferred of all the rookie running backs, and he single-handedly picked Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, who seems to be a perfect fit to kind of be that Brian Westbrook of the Andy Reid offense. Give me your thoughts on this landing spot here. He's going at a high premium now in the mid-second round. You know, I did not know that little nugget about Mahomes personally selecting Clad the Glad, Edwards Hilaire. Uh, but again, piggybacking on your Brian Westbrook comparison, I did also read 
the story in, in the Chiefs drafting Hilaire, and it was Brent Veach recommending to Reed that he watches some tape uh, on the running back at LSU. And after watching that tape, Reed came back saying, you know what, he's better than Westbrook. Uh, so <laughs> Clyde has some awfully big shoes to fill. And I think that his the sky is the limit here. You know, he dominated Alabama. Uh, you know, out Al, that Alabama D loaded with pros could not stop him in the biggest game of the year. And I think that this guy, you know, the, the sky is the limit. And I think that he's a great dark horse for an offensive rookie of the year. It's interesting, you know. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire had a tremendous season. There's no question about that. He was awesome, as you mentioned, in that win over Alabama. He was great throughout the playoffs. However, I think it's worth being said here that he was propped up significantly by an offense that had literally all 11 starters either drafted or signed as undrafted free agents that had their offensive coordinator be hired by the NFL and that had his quarterback taken first overall by the NFL. Are you worried at all, uh, Michael, about him being not a product of the system but being propped up because of his explosive offense? Uh, you know, th there definitely is that possibility, but you can't hold it against the you can't hold it against the guy being in a good offense. You can't use that to hurt his value. And again, if he is a product of of a system, he is going to the perfect system to be a product of in that Kansas City Chiefs offense. So I think that boom goes to dynamite uh, when the Chiefs drafted Hilaire, and I think that the sky is the limit for the rookie. You're absolutely right that he lands in just the perfect system for his skills. and It's an explosive offense. It's one that's going to use his pass-catching abilities to the fullest. However, you worried at all about Damian Williams, about you know Darwin Thompson from last year. He got a tremendous amount of hype before falling to complete irrelevancy. Um, you know There is a lot of opportunity here, but there is still some good backs in that system. Are you worried at all that he's going in the second round right now? That's suggesting that he is going to be a surefire RB1. Do you expect him to fulfill... Uh, where he's being drafted and, and bring back value for for people that, you know, draft him and have that highly. You know, I actually read a blurb out of Kansas City earlier this week that mentioned Damian Williams as a potential cut candidate post-draft. And again, LaShawn McCoy is gone. You know, they don't really have that many running backs left in the stable. And I think that when you do invest first-round capital in a running back, you're going to use the man. Uh, and I'm not too worried about the other running backs there in Kansas City, actually. So you expect him to be a full bell cow from the beginning, 18 to 20 plus touches per game. That's what it's going to take to bring back value of that round to draft capitalists. You're fully expecting that. Uh, we'll see about the touches. I, I think that he may get a little bit less than 18 to 20 at first, and he may you know, kind of have to earn his role there. But again, I think as the season rolls along, yeah, I think that he will be the workhorse, no doubt. Okay. All right, well, there you have it for Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Of course, the only running back taking in the first round going to the world champion, Kansas City Chiefs. We disagree a little bit there. I don't think he's draftable in the second round. I don't think he's going to bring back value there. I do think he's going to have a great rookie season. I just think he belongs more in the third round. People are hyping him up as if he's going to be a top-five pick next season. Now, after Clyde Edwards-Hilaire went, much of the draft community on Twitter, at least, questioned, could anyone... Could any landing spot for any running back unseat Clyde going to the Chiefs? A lot of people mentioned Jonathan Taylor landing in the right spot, potentially being that person. Lo and behold, he goes number 41 overall to the Indianapolis Colts. They traded up to get him. If you watch the Colts' team production, they were thinking about taking Jonathan Taylor at number 34 
when they took Michael Pittman. The reason that they went with Pittman was that T. Higgins went the previous pick. They wanted to get a receiver. They ended up locking in Pittman and then trading up for Jonathan Taylor. Now, Taylor, of course, the back-to-back Doak Walker Award winner, the only running back in college football history with over 2,000 yards rushing in all three of his collegiate years. He also, of course, ran in a perfect system for his skills at Wisconsin. He goes to a perfect system for his skills in the NFL with the Colts. They have a fantastic offensive line. They have a quarterback that utilizes his running back, certainly in Phillip Rivers. This is, you know, we sh- he, Jonathan Taylor showed his speed on the turf there at Lucas Oil Field in Indianapolis, running a 4-3-9 at the NFL Combine. Yes, Marlon Mack is there. You still have Naheem Hines as the pass-catching back. You have Jordan Wilkins as a short-down back as well. However, you have to love this landing spot for Jonathan Taylor. They traded up to get him. There is no doubt in my mind he is going to be used. His ADP pre-draft was about the late second round, early third round. He's going much of the same spot here. Tell me your thoughts here about Jonathan Taylor landing in Indianapolis. Uh, You know, it's one of the best offensive lines in football. Uh, He's got a new quarterback that historically has only force-fed running backs, and they've been extremely productive fantasy-wise. He's one of the most historically productive college football running backs of all time, really. And... I think that he does have Marlon Mack to beat out, and Marlon Mack is certainly there as a threat to some of his carries in the beginning. Um, But I think that there's a chance that he could definitely exceed his current second-round ADP. Yeah, I think there is definitely value to be had. Jonathan Taylor is an underrated pass catcher. This is going to be an explosive offense, and I really do think day one is going to step in and be that starter. Jonathan Taylor was a three-star recruit out of Salem, New Jersey. He showed up to training camp for Wisconsin as a freshman, as a relative unknown. He broke off an 80-yard touchdown in a scrimmage as the backup running back. He took that starter job and never looked back. And then, of course, he went back-to-back-to-back seasons with 2,000 yards, back-to-back seasons of Doak Walker Award winner. Never quite made it to New York as a Heisman, which is a shame. I think he's going to do much of the same in the NFL. I think he's going to take that backfield by storm. This is a smart, smart player. He's explosive. He's fast. He's a coachable kid. They traded up to get him. And generally speaking, when these kind of executives and coaches show that kind of enthusiasm for a player, they are utilized from day one here. I think we're going to be talking about Jonathan Taylor as a top three selection this time next year. There is value to be had wow. in this year. Marlon Max in the final season of his contract, and I also saw him as a potential cut candidate. I don't think it will happen because he's still relatively cheap. But this is Jonathan Taylor's backfield, and it will be so for quite some time. You've heard it here, folks, on Believe in Best Ball, Episode 2, Sam Maxwell. He, he has gone out on a limb and claimed that Jonathan Taylor will be a top three pick in 2021 fantasy drafts. Let's go. I don't think it's much of a leap, especially if he has a good rookie season and Marlon Mack is not back. Despite, you know, you, sh- you could lose Phillip Rivers, and then, of course, the whole offense is much worse this time next year. But, uh, you know, opportunity is king in fantasy football, and there will be a lot of it moving forward for Jonathan Taylor. All right, third running back on our list here is Florida State's Cam Akers. One of my favorite moments of the draft, Mike, when I mentioned this on my other podcast, Believe in Betting LA, Daniel Jeremiah of the NFL Network, when the Rams drafted him in the second round, mentioned Florida State offensive line was so bad last year, so porous. You could walk out of your house right now, find five people, and they'd make just as productive an offensive line as what Cam Akers ran behind last year in Tallahassee. 
Guess what? He's not going to a much better offensive line. This Rams offensive line ranked number 31 in effectiveness by Pro Football Focus. It is not a very good offensive line. However, there's a lot of opportunity there. Cam Akers will be competing with last year's rookie, Dynamite, Daryl Henderson, who a lot of people were hyping up pre-draft process this year, and Malcolm Brown. This Cam Akers pick has me really excited. This offense is no longer explosive or as explosive as it once was. Sean McVay is no longer seen as a genius offensively, but he's going to know how to utilize Cam Akers. When we watched tape together on Cam Akers, both of our eyebrows were raised, Michael. He's explosive. He can catch the ball. He's got great footwork. He's very agile. This is a great pick. I think there's a lot of value to be had here with his average draft position right now in the late fourth round. Akers definitely had the look of a three-down back when watching his YouTube highlight tape. Uh, there's just something about him, the way he glides and the way he moves. He just looks smooth and agile, and he does look like he has a little bit of Todd Gurley in him. If you put dreads on the man, he would look a lot like Todd Gurley, I must say. So right now, you think there's value to be had taking a guy like Cam Akers in the fourth round? You know, I definitely think that those touches are going to be split up. Definitely at first until someone claims the job once again. Uh, in that Sean McVay system, you know, it's so, unpredict- so unpredictable. He, may ha- he might have Malcolm Brown go in for one series and then Cam Akers, a.k.a. mini Todd Gurley, uh, go in there for another. And I think that he is not going to live up to that fourth-round value, actually. Okay, so you're actually fading him at that current price. We were taking him in the sixth-round pre-draft process. Would you take him? Would you be comfortable taking him in the fifth round or sixth round? Because that's Definitely. kind of the tier he's Definitely. going to get. Just I'm not com- in the fourth round. I'm comfortable taking him in the fourth round. It, it just comes to a matter of the certain backs that you're going to compare him to. The guy who we're going to talk of, talk about next, for example, I think I would prefer him to in the fourth round. The interesting thing here is, though, while the Rams may not have the most explosive offense anymore, the competition that we're going to see for Cam Akers here does not scare me. Daryl Henderson, a lot of people loved him going into last year's draft and last year's season. He was one of those you know, fancy players that people talked up. He had 39 rushes for 147 total yards last year. He did not score a touchdown, and this is, that was not the kind of season uh, that I think a lot of people foresaw for Henderson. Henderson's also only 5'8", 208 pounds. He is not your typical three-down back. Cam Akers basically just has to compete with Malcolm Brown for first and second down, and then Henderson in third down. I think there's a lot of opportunity here. I don't think they draft him if they don't need a starter. I like Cam Akers quite a bit there in that middle tier in the fourth rounds. All right, as Michael foreshadowed, one of our favorite running backs in the pre-draft process, J.K. Dobbins of Ohio State, he was amazing as the main guy last year, and uh, he does not get as much buzz as, let's say, Clyde. For Jonathan Taylor, certainly not in the pre-draft process, uh, but he was a spectacular back for the Buckeyes. He can run inside. He can run outside. He is going to be phenomenal fit there in the RPO system with the Baltimore Ravens. Of course, Mark Ingram coming off of a fantastic season. He's still there. You have Gus Edwards to compete with. You have last year's rookie, Justice Hill. But I think of all these players, the highest upside, I think, of any of these running backs has to be J.K. Dobbins. If they decide to either move on from Ingram or even just limit his overall amount of touches. This is the most explosive offense in the NFL last year. You have a dynamic running quarterback. He's a perfect perfect fit for this system. 
you got to like the overall landing spot for J.K. Dobbins. A lot of people are quelling the amount of excitement based on next season because Mark Ingram's still there. But if something happens to Mark Ingram, Michael, J.K. Dobbins is probably a first-round pick, for me at least. What do you think? You know, Father Time is undefeated. Mark Ingram is definitely getting up there in age. Uh, and I think that that showed last year as the season wore on, his body kind of started to break down and he did show some signs of fatigue. Uh, with, JT, with J.K. Dobbins, excuse me, you know, he comes from an Ohio State offense where they were running the RPO all the time. Uh, he finds himself now in Baltimore where he has maybe one of the greatest RPO quarterbacks of our generation. Uh and he's in that Baltimore offense that does nothing but run the ball down your throat and play D. Uh, I think that J.K. Dobbins absolutely can exceed his fourth-round current ADP, and I think the sky's the limit for him. Certainly has tremendous upside. It's just a matter of how much utilization will he receive with Baltimore. I think we also will see some sort of offensive regression from that Ravens team, certainly in terms of the amount of rushing touchdowns. But you still have Lamar Jackson there. You've got a great overall franchise. The offensive line is still top 10 in the league. Uh, there is a lot of potential here. Look, this is a lottery ticket. If something happens to Mark Ingram, like I said, this guy's probably a late first, early second round pick. Even with Mark Ingram there, I still think he has a chance to supersede his draft position uh, right now going, as you mentioned, the late third, early fourth round, which is about the same as what he was going pre-draft. So a great fit for him there in Baltimore. Well, Long term, he's a great fit as well. Let me also just add there, Sam, that he's also even better for best ball here, where, you know, if if they're going to rest Ingram a few weeks and make sure that he's fresh for the playoffs, there's going to be weeks throughout the year where they just ride Dobbins like a workhorse, and he is going to accumulate massive amounts of points some weeks. And I think that this is a guy that you definitely want to have on your roster. According to the Bruck Report, this is a guy to target. That's a good point. We're talking best ball here. We don't care about those games where he's limited to three to five touches because he's not going to be in our lineup anyways. What we're looking for is really just three, four, five weeks in which he gets those 18 and 20 plus touches, receives 100 plus yards, and combines for a couple touchdowns. If he returns even three of those, he brings value back, in my opinion, as that fourth round pick. So an interesting pick for sure there. And, and like I said, if anything does happen to Mark Ingram, then you're talking about a surefire RB1. All right, let's move on. Let's talk about two guys that probably gained the most value last weekend in the NFL draft, starting with the most juicy landing spot of them all. Of course, Tom Brady's Tampa Bay Buccaneers offense. This offense is just loaded with a plethora of options and weapons here. Of course, he brought over Tom Brady. And just to quell the excitement just for a second, he will be 43, of course, next season. He is coming off, statistically, the worst season of his career. But that being said, a Bruce Arians offense with Tom Brady, with wide receivers like Chris Godwin and Mike Evans, with tight ends like O.J. Howard, and of course, Rob Gronkowski back this offensive line, added first-round pick uh, Tristan Wirfs. You got a lot of talent on this offense. Which running back was going to slide in there to, t- to compete with Ronald Jones and Dario Gumbawale? It ends up being Keyshawn Vaughn, who gets the reins here. And there's a lot of excitement about this kid. He was going... Very late in drafts. We got him as late as the 23rd round in the pre-draft process now. We're seeing Keyshawn Vaughn come up in that same tier as both Cam Akers and J.K. Dobbins. Are you buying the hype here on Keyshawn Vaughn? Can he be what we thought Ronald Jones would? You know, I definitely think that Keyshawn Vaughn is actually going to be a bust. He was a third-round pick uh, straight out of Illinois. Things didn't really work out. He went to Vanderbilt. 
he just didn't really have the eye test for me. He didn't really pass it uh, when I watched his YouTube highlights. And, you know, I, I'm just – I'm going to go out on a limb here, and I think that Ronald Jones holds off Keyshawn Vaughn this year, and I do not think that he excels his fifth-round current ADP. So you do not like Keyshawn Vaughn, even though you, you can't argue with the, the great landing spot for him, which in your mind has to make Ronald Jones a great value. He's going in the eighth, ninth round right now. And, of course, one of our favorite sleepers, running back Dare Ogunbowale as the third down back. So you really have to think that both those guys are great values if you don't like Keyshawn Vaughn. The more I think about it, I'm starting to really come around to Ronald Jones. You know, when I watched him in college at USC, I used to always say, this guy's going to be legit in the pros. Uh, he hasn't really flashed yet. I know that he's had some issues in the passing game, uh, especially with pass blocking and receiving. Uh, but you know what? If he can come around to Brady, if Brady, if he can one day see the light, I think that this man, Ronald Jones, could be the next Deion Lewis. Wow. High praise. A very underwhelming first two years for Ronald Jones, but Michael likes him as a sleeper in this year's, really, the fourth tier of running backs there as he gets the eighth or ninth round. Keyshawn Vaughn goes to the Tampa Bay Bucks in the third round, and I, I think he's, he's overdrafted right now. I think eventually he settles probably in that fifth to sixth round, and then perhaps there is some value to be squeezed out of him. Our sixth and final Favorite landing spot for rookie running backs after last week's 2020 NFL draft is Darrington Evans. But first, I want to talk about our sponsor, and that's Bet Online. This podcast is presented by Bet Online. There was a lot of fun to be had, Michael, in last week's NFL draft props. There was how many cats will be shown in the draft coverage, how many dogs will be shown, will there be pizza shown in the draft. I had a lot of fun. I had a lot of success betting draft props. Moving forward, there's not as much to be betting on here, but there's still tons of esports. If poker is your thing, they have tremendous poker competitions there. The election, the national election is coming up in November. They're taking lots of bets there. So go to betonline.ag and use the promo code MYPOD100. That's MYPOD100, M-Y-P-O-D-100, to receive your welcome bonus in your first deposit. Again, that's betonline.ag. Use the promo code MYPOD100. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. Our sixth and final running back here of the landing spots that we liked best for the 2020 season. Darrington Evans just graduated today, I saw, from Appalachian State. This guy going to the Titans, of course. Derrick Henry's there. It's his backfield. And the Titans showed us last year, late in the season, Michael, and into the playoffs, they want to ride Derrick Henry playing good defense and just grind out games. They want to play football since this is 1985. That being said, there is a need for a pass catching back in Tennessee. You have an explosive offense there. You've got A.J. Brown. You've got Ryan Tannehill re-signed. Deion Lewis moved on to sign with the New York Giants. And now bring in Darrington Evans to this backfield. Can he return value there, even though you have a first-round pick of Derrick Henry in front of him? I really see Darrington Evans just pretty much sliding in and being a poor man's Deion Lewis this season. Again, another guy that, to me, just didn't really pass the eye test when watching his highlights. And, you know, they did draft him to fulfill the need for that third down back who can cast who, who can catch passes. And I really don't see much standalone value this year for for Darrington. You know, if if Derrick Henry does get hurt, there it always is that possibility uh, that he, he could be a guy who wins you wins wins you multiple weeks. Uh, but 
barring any injury to Henry, I don't see any value in Darrington. Again, this is not going to be someone that comes in there and gets 20 to 25 carries. This is going to be your third down back. Darrington Everett ran a 4-4-1 out of Appalachian State. He's a smaller back, 5-10-2-3. But the Titans invested a high pick in him. Late third-round pick. That's some high draft capital for uh, his role there as a third down back. What he does well is what Derrick Henry does not do well. That's filling on third back. That's obvious passing down situations where Derrick Henry obviously cannot be involved. I think there's a lot of value here for Darrington Evans. I think he can absolutely return value, so we definitely disagree on this one here. I think he is a good pick there in those middle rounds, 10th, 11th round. I think he's going to be climbing as we move on there. Two years ago, Deion Lewis had a very effective role in this offense. Last year, he could not stay healthy and was not. But I think it's unfair to call him a poor man's Deion Lewis when Deion Lewis is in the back end of his career, may be cut by the New York Giants at some point this offseason. Darrington Evans could certainly have a lot of value. And remember, most of these, and certainly for FFPC, are full PPR leagues. Darrington Evans, all it takes is him to catch 35 to 40 balls, you know, and he's going to return a lot of value there. So uh, not everyone's going to pass the eye test. Not everyone's going to be Jonathan Taylor or Clyde Edwards Hilaire. There are roles and there are places for backs like Darrington Evans. All we need him to do is slide in there and get catches. And you're drafting him to be your RB5, RB6, RB7. He's a good target to return value there. He's a rookie running back. And Derrick Henry does not fulfill the things that he does well. So that's my thoughts on Darrington Evans. Sounds like you disagree. Agree to disagree. All right. We'll have to find some sort of wager that we can make on Darrington Evans' rookie season. And again, I'm not claiming this guy's going to go in there and be your RB1. You're not looking for that necessarily. We're looking for him to come in there, have a few games where he catches six, seven balls, catches a touchdown. If he can start three or four weeks, he's absolutely worth that 10th or 11th round pick in your best ball drafts. Once again, this is the second episode of Believe in Best Ball. We're going to be coming to you with a lot of great best ball content moving forward all off season. And again, the best ball is an off season sport. Where your regular fantasy football seasons require a lot of attention, a lot of monitoring, and it's going to be throughout the season. Best ball is your home for off-season fantasy football. We're going to be your home for your off-season best ball podcast. So, any final thoughts here, Michael, on episode two of Believe in Best Ball? You know, I'm uh, I'm happy that we took care of all this administrative stuff here, and I'm ready to get into the good stuff, and I'm ready to give you guys some good hard-hitting action. Make sure to follow me on at the Brook Report so you can get. Hashtag inside source trade info as to Rasul Douglas, etc. <laughs> no, Michael's joking because early August, or excuse me, early April, he apparently broke a story in which Rasul Douglas was being traded for Dante Pettis due to his inside sources. So follow him as you will there. Just take it with a grain of salt when he tweets out potential offseason news. But when it comes to best ball news, Michael is one of the best to follow. He is at the Bruck Report. Again, I am at S Maxwell713. And the Believe Podcast Network is at Believe Podcast. That's B-L-E-A-V and Believe.com. There's a lot of great Believe Podcasts, including my other podcast, the Believe Network, Believe in Betting LA. There are team-specific podcasts like the Titans, the Steelers, the LA Football Network podcast. There's a lot of great gambling podcasts as well out there beyond my other one. And there's something for out there for everyone, not just including sports. So go ahead and give the Believe Podcast Network shows a listen. You will not be disappointed. Episode two of Believe in Best Ball for the Believe Podcast Network. For Roger Goodell, for Michael Bruckner, I'm Sam Maxwell. Thank you guys for listening, and we'll see you guys next time.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.